Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gautier. All right. Well, welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Yosef Chaudhry. Is that how you pronounce it? It's Yusuf Chaudhry. Yusuf Chaudhry. Close, Justin. Okay. It's, it's better bad. than most. Okay. I had a buddy actually growing up with his name was Imran Chaudhry. Anyway, super good guy. But when I saw your last name back when I first kind of reached or when you reached out to me, I was like, I wonder if they're related. Probably not. But there's a lot of Chaudhrys out there, man. It's it's funny that uh, it's such a it's such a common name, but mm-hmm. you know it's spelled differently in so many different variations of different parts of the country. Whether it's Pakistan, India, I mean, it's a common Arabic name as well. So it's a it's a pretty common name. Yeah, no, it is. Like growing up in Canada, there's there was I mean probably three or four in our t- small little town that had the same last name, but they weren't even related. It's hilarious. But anyway. So executive VP at Atlas Operating. And man, thanks for coming on to the show, buddy. No, man, my pleasure. I'm uh, excited to be here and uh, uh, be able to kind of talk to you a little bit. I'm just, I'm graced to be in your presence, Justin. Oh, wow. Jeez, I'm honored, man. You got me (laughs) blushing. Holy smokes. Well, uh, so how's your week been, man? Did you watch the Toronto game last night? You know what? I did watch the Toronto game last night. And uh, a funny fact, my wife is actually from Toronto. Okay, that's Um, right. I have a lot of ties to Canada in general. A lot of my family, my brother and sister were actually born in Edmonton. And my dad actually got his uh, first break in the oil and gas industry in Edmonton. So, you know, we and, you know, we already have we have real estate in Vancouver, British Columbia. So, you know, we're actually West Coast and East Coast of Canada. You know, it's a wonderful country. I love everything about it. However, you know, I do have to rib them a little bit. Uh, You know, (laughs) the first time that I met you, I remember we talked for maybe... 10 seconds. And I said, Justin, you're Canadian, aren't you? Yeah. And I can, <laughs> you, I can pulled it out right away. I could hear it. And you know, what? it's, it's most, the politest people in the world. It's hard for them to apologize for anything. But you know, when my, when the, when the Raptors won yesterday, my wife, she, she kind of let uh, all her inhibitions go. Yeah. She made sure to let all the expletives and all the emotions that all the the Raptors fans have kind of let in. It all came out yesterday night. And, um, Dude, you know, that's hilarious. Well, I mean, it's awesome. they've been in, I think, 95 is when they were founded. So, I mean, that's a hell of a run for no championships. So, you know, pretty exciting. I got to say, coming up, you know, being growing up in Canada, we had the Vancouver Grizzlies, which really, they didn't do much. And then Toronto Raptors are the only team up there. So they've hung on for dear life. And Finally, they've made something of themselves over the last few years, and then this year they just finally took the cake. It was it's pretty cool, man. I gotta say, even though I'm from the West Coast, so like I've never even been from been to Toronto, but just the fact that it's a Canadian team, man, I, I'm pretty biased, so I gotta cheer for them. You are absolutely right. It's <laughs> the amount of passion that they have for the sport is just it's astounding. I mean, what they what they're doing for that city. I mean, the city is essentially it's it's stopped. It's shut down. It's like almost like a European city for soccer. Yeah, or good football point. depends on listening to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's awesome. I really, really enjoy kind of watching how much they love it. And actually, you know what? I'm I'm happy they got a they got a championship. I know they're gonna, you know, they'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're talking about making trades already, and and I always butcher his name, but Kawi or Kawi 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 Leonard. Yeah. yeah. They're already talking about maybe even because I think his contract's up, so he might be up for trade and talking about maybe going back to Cali. Like, you know what? Like, what a the lot hell? Of people have talked about that, but you know what? I personally, if I had to give throw, you know, my hat in the ring, I would tell you that he's going to leave. Yeah, you know, just a little bit of writing on the wall here and there. I think he he made that decision 
before he even won the championship. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But you know what? For the sake of Toronto, I hope he stays. I know that, you know, he was a, a huge, huge part alongside a lot of role players that kind of got them to where they were in this championship. But hey, man, I hope he stays there and I hope Toronto yeah. keeps on winning. Uh, It'd be nice to see at least a couple years, you know what I mean? Yeah, like cool. one year and then like for another 20 years, they're not worth a shit. But yeah. who knows? And we'll see. But yeah, hopefully if you're feeling a little better today, I know last time we had lunch, I think you're feeling a little bit of a down from the weekend, but you seem like you're in good spirits today. So I'm happy to see that. Yeah, man, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm happy to be here. It's, nice. uh, it's been a really good week and a lot of good things have happened. You know, oil prices have been fluctuating a little bit. You know, it's a little bit here, a little bit there. But you know what? All in all, it's, you know, a lot of people say, thank God it's Friday. Right. And I kind of fall in that group of people that. You know, I enjoy Friday as I enjoy Monday. I actually enjoy most days. But I think it's human to have good days and have bad days. And I think that there's, I know a lot of people who, who just feel that, hey, they got to work from Monday through Friday. And then they, as, as soon as they get to Friday, it's, hey, we're going to we're gonna let loose. We're going to hang out with our family. We're going to party. We're going to do whatever, whatever, you know, floats their boat. Yeah. But it just kind of makes me think it's, you know, you probably don't love what you're doing if... You really have to look forward to Friday. And I know there's a lot of people who, who would disagree with me on that, that they need something to look forward to, which is there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I do think that, you know, there has to be some sort of passion on a day-to-day life. Otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, you're just kind of droning through life. And that's just not worth it, in my opinion. No. You know what's so funny you say that? So I have someone who's very <sighs> close to me, and I'm not going to mention who it is, but she always mentions, and it's not my wife, but she always is like, dreading mondays it's like oh it's monday and oh it's friday and like i'm in the same boat as you like i wake up i'm like thank god it's monday thank god it's tuesday like i don't care and it's not some of that like self-help bullshit but it's like you truly like if you don't wake up and you have something to look forward to each and every single day then you need to reevaluate what you're doing because like life's gonna go by and you don't want to always be looking forward to the weekend and it's just like i don't get it yeah like and then like, oh, hump day and oh, we're one day closer to Friday. And like, I'll purposely tell people like, people like, oh, happy Friday. I'm like, yeah, one day closer to Monday so we can get after it again. And they just look at me like, oh, shut up. But like, seriously, like have a mindset because if you're constantly just down and out because you're at work, then like, what are you doing? Like, we're in America. You don't, you're not forced to do anything like to some degree. So it's like, then quit your job that you hate, that you like hate going to on Mondays and like, yeah, it's it's crazy to me. I don't understand it, man. That's I guess it's poetic, a different mindset. That's, I, I love the way you put that. That's the best way to put it. And you know what? You know how you said that it's America, man. We're we, we're we're lucky to be in. You know, I'm going to say something that some people might not agree with. It's the greatest country on the planet. And you know, my father, immigrant, started this company. You know, 38 to 40 years ago now, and he's the first person to tell everybody that he meets is that I know a lot of people don't agree with the political administration or the economic environment or whatever they might believe what's going on in the country right now. But he says that no matter what it is, America is one of the only places that gave an immigrant who couldn't read or write, gave him the opportunity to start up a company that's growing to be ever successful, you know, oil and gas company in, in the operating on the operating side and on the real estate side and just just grow and he said there's not many countries you're able to do that so he's he's the biggest proponent of you know you know god bless america it right i i I was able to come here and they let me in and they and they were you know they they welcomed me with warm arms and you know i could never see it as anything other than my home and actually he even says that now when you ask him you know about pakistan where he was born he says you know pakistan is my is my is my birth country but my home country is america 
Yeah. And because, you know, that's what actually I call home. And that's what took me in when I felt like, you know, an immigrant, a refugee, essentially. Yeah. Coming to a country where I didn't speak the language. I didn't understand, you know, basic things. I didn't understand the food. I didn't understand anything. I didn't yeah. understand the, you know, sarcasm was something that was new to him. You're right. And he, th- yeah, and he thought that was, you know, and he grew to love all these things. And he said, it's just... It's it's the world's best country, and I and I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, no, and I love hearing stories like that because then it, it just it's, it reminds you how lucky we are, right? And it's and some people might not believe in luck, but ultimately it's a it's a miracle that people, whether they're born in the states or who end up in the states, how much opportunity there is here for people. And when and when they say, oh, you know, the odds are against me, and you know they can't make it or whatever the fact is, but like. Your old man's like a perfect example. Like he had nothing and he made himself to who he is today and has created somewhat of a legacy with, with what you guys do as your family and real estate and oil and gas. So it's like, you know, just, just quit the excuses and make it happen. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's like there's no reason someone there's here, just... if you have a beating heart and you can walk around, breathe and you, you're, you know, you've got most of your brain functioning, there's no reason you can't make something of yourselves. And so yeah, I have a hard time hearing people's excuses. And then they complain about, oh, I have to go to work on Monday. Well, would you rather be someone where you're having bombs fly over your head? Like, get out of here. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that just that drives me nuts. People are so spoiled and they don't realize perspective, it. Perspective, man. Perspective can 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 lay down a lot, a lot for people. I just think that it's, you know, if we look at it from, just like you said, if you look at it from a uh, from perspective, you know, I know a lot of, you know, younger guys and, and girls that were saying that, hey, you know what? We don't want to go to college. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. We want to be entrepreneurs. We want to do this. We want to do this. And I think that's fantastic. The entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mentality is it's fantastic. It's something that we're we're able to thrive with in, you know, in North America. And I'm going to start saying North America instead of America because I believe <laughs> USA and Canada are, are, are one and the same. Yeah, pretty uh, much. On, on that right. So, and, but then you see their drive and you see them. They're just like, man, I just... I haven't made any money yet. And, you know, you kind of ask them, you know, and this is something that I've, I've seen it from my, my, my father because I've been blessed enough to be put in a situation where he just essentially has, has, has given me all the tools to succeed. And he said, listen, either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. And that's up to you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to mollycoddle you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, be nicer than I would to anybody else. If anything, he's probably a little bit tougher because he knows that, you know, frankly, I could probably handle it and that, right. uh, you know, it's, he, he kind of says that, you know, that, that kind of adversity will build your character. Oh, and, big time. You know, a little bit, a little bit of thick skin, you know, didn't hurt nobody. Right. Well, and, speaking of adversity, it's like nowadays people like yourselves that are fortunate to grow in that you have your helicopter parents, they give them everything, but it's like. <laughs> People are even manufacturing adversity to build that tough skin. Because let's face it, like you look back 100 or 200 years ago, there was a lot more adversity. Now everything's convenient. Hell, you can sit on your couch and have food delivered to you. Everything's so readily available. And it's like, and then, you know, you have everything like, oh, you know, kids are getting, you know, cooperation awards. And like, like people are like steering away from adversity. But like the fundamentals of like greatness are all like have derived based off like challenges and adversity. So it's neat to see someone like yourself who has had the opportunities and actually build upon it. So before getting into, you know, the oil and gas sector, how, how I guess describe how you were able to, you know, overcome that because you could have easily, and you hear it all the time is like people handed, you know, whatever, like the silver spoon or the keys to Ferrari, and then they just drive it into the wall and they just become these degenerate kids that, you know, don't, Someone tried to get in here. I don't know who that was. 
We've they got, heard our voices and they're just like, we want in on that. We want in on the conversation. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So how did you, was it, you know, a function of growing up under, <laughs> you know, good discipline or where did you get the work ethic to take what your family's provided you and, and grow on it versus, like I said, drive it into the wall? Because that happens more often than not, I think. Yeah, man, it's it's super unfortunate to see that. But I was I was very blessed from a, from a young age. I, I, I was always very close to my father and I always got to see his work ethic. I mean, the man was gone almost every single day. And I mean, oh, you know how we were talking about it? Thank God it's Friday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It didn't matter. And his motto was that my oil wells, they don't stop pumping for, you know, Christmas. They don't stop pumping for New Year's Eve. They don't they don't stop. This is something that it just, you know, it is it is a part of what we do. And I was lucky for him to kind of, you know, put me in a situation where he said that, listen, you know, I'm not going to give you anything. I'm going to help you. I'm going to nudge you in the right direction, but I'm not just going to hand it to you on a silver platter. If you want this, you have to earn it. If you Mm -hmm. want to be working in the, you know, in the oil and gas sector, that's fine. That's great. If you want to be a musician, he never forced me to kind of join the oil and gas company. He said, no matter what you do, I'll support it. But he said, this is our family company and this is hopefully going to be our legacy one day. And I don't want to just see our legacy just, you know, going to, going to shit really. And I, (laughs) I, I said, I said, that's, Something that I was able to see as growing up. And then as I started, you know, kind of going into my teen adolescent age, I was getting more and more interested into oil and gas. I see, I, I see my dad's work ethic. I see, you know, the fruits of his labor. I'm just like, well, you know, my father kind of put it plainly. He said, if you want these things, if you want to, if you want to enjoy the successes of life, it doesn't just come to you, man. It's just not going to just fall into your lap. And I remember I was just, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, you know, I knew a lot of kids that, that grew up that were in similar situations. Like they got Mercedes and, and BMWs and whatnot as a first car. And my dad gave me a, an old Honda. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, come on, pops. I'm like, you know, I, I, I love cars. It's something that I've enjoyed since I was a kid, you know, probably anything with an engine. I, I, I love it. And, you know, he said that if you want a nicer car, earn it, right? Yeah. That anybody can do it. And I was like, okay, that's fair. I can do that. So I love that Honda to this day, man. I, I will not forget that Honda. It was a, it was a blue Accord, and and I loved it with the, every ounce of me. I wash it almost every day. I mean, yeah. I, I would. I, I love that car. But did you have it slammed to the ground? I didn't have it slammed to the oh, ground. Okay. Because I decided that instead of instead of investing in because I thought about it, I was gonna go that route. I was like, I'm gonna just gonna throw all my money into this Honda. I said, you know what? I'm going to bide my time and I'm going to save up my money and I'm going to buy a nicer car, right? Interesting. So how how did you have that mindset? Because most people, it's like, especially in high school, and I grew up with a bunch of buddies who had Honda Civics, Accords, Preludes. I mean, you know, they call them the rice rockets. It was a big thing. You know, big chrome rims, slammed to the ground, big exhaust, loud, subs, you know, through the roof, bouncing around town, (laughs) right? Like that was the thing. Yeah, and I look back, I'm like, golly, those things are hilarious. But how did you know or what What made you think okay i'm gonna save up and get something bigger like basically you gave up the instant gratification for delayed gratification like where did you find that you know what man i'm gonna beat a dead horse i'm gonna give that credit to my dad as well because yeah. he just kind of he drove it into me from a young age i mean he was very very i mean he's my role model and a mentor and i got to see him kind of do it you know firsthand yeah and he wasn't just he wasn't just telling me to do these things i would see him I mean, trying to save on the littlest things and stuff that, you know, at at a certain point where I would, you know, I would ask him and I'd say, you know, Pops, that doesn't seem like a a relatively large amount of money to you, right? To this day, I can tell you right now, and this is the the best way to sum it up. He currently lives by the Galleria. 
He, he has a, a, a beautiful home. You know, he's, he, he's enjoying his life. He still drives to Spring, Texas to get a $9 haircut. No way. And I nice. ask him, yeah. and he fills up gas over there too. And I ask him, I'm like, by the time you've gone there and back, you've, you've spent time, you've done this. And he just said, listen, man, old habits die hard. Yeah. And it's just that, that immigrant mentality almost to say that, hey, if I could, I could spend because, you know, he was, I'm growing my hair out right now, as, as a lot of people have mentioned. <laughs> yeah. It's he, awesome. was, he was telling me, he's like, $50 for a haircut. He's like, are you insane? That's what I spend. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, are you insane? He's like, I'll cut your hair for it. He's like, give me 50 bucks. I'll cut your hair, right? <laughs> yeah. No offense. He, he's going to put a bowl on my head and just give me a bowl cut uh, yeah. from a Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. But I yeah. was like, you know what? I can see it. I can see it in his day-to-day life. So he's not somebody who doesn't practice what he preaches. Whatever he says, he does. He really does it. He believes in saving the little, little dollars. But in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to business, he's also, I mean, he's been, he's a definition of a true, I mean, wildcatter at times. He, he'll go in to areas where, you know, a lot of people that even myself, his son, who I unequivocally trust him in his, in his, in what he does in the oil field and whatnot, there's th- things that he's done before. And I'm just like, I don't know, Pops. I don't know if that's a good idea. That's a lot of money for an area that we really don't know that's going to develop or if that recompletion on that well is really going to work out. And, you know, we have a whole engineering team. We have a staff of about 10 engineers here in Houston. And each one, I've seen it happen before. Each single one said that, no, this recompletion isn't going to work in one of the wells that we operate in the San Andreas in the in the Permian, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody in the Permian, uh, it's in Upton County. Everybody's thinking, you know, Wolf Camp, uh, maybe uh, Wolf Camp ABC, maybe some sprayberry stuff, you know, two-mile laterals, you know, uh, you know, horizontal wells, you know. And he's drilling this this four thousand foot San Andreas well, and I'm just like, why are you doing that? I'm like, it's yeah. not it's not cheap, right? It's not relatively speaking to the grand scheme of things. Yes, it is cheap from drilling a you know a, a two mile lateral. It's much cheaper than that. But I was like, but the payout's much more on that two mile lateral, of course. And he did it, and I was everybody said that's a bad idea. We shouldn't do it. Drilled that well, and the well was flowing. You know, I think like 150 barrels a day. Yeah, and we were all just shocked. We're just like, why did like, and he did have a little bit of feedback on why he thought so. There was some offsetting wells that he had drilled previously that he had already TA'd and, and, and plug and abandoned. And, and so, you know, maybe there was a little bit of, you know, insider information that he already had from, from our previous wells that we had drilled in, in the eighties. But it's stuff like that where I can see it where he, he will, he will spend the money where he thinks it's going to pay off because he's a risk taker. He, he said yeah. that before too. And I'm the first person to say it. You know, I go to Vegas. I like to gamble, right? Yeah. I, I, I enjoy the gambling. And my dad said it best is that in the oil and gas industry, we're the ultimate gamblers. That's what we're doing every single day. Every time we drill a well, every time we think we like a site, every time we're going to go into a recompletion, anytime, I mean, it doesn't matter. And whatever we do, there is a huge gamble because yeah, I remember when I was a kid, that's the first thing I asked my dad. I said, how can you spend millions of dollars on a well, but then it's a dry hole. You've, you've lost all that money. I'm like, well, how do you get that money back? Right. It just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, okay, so is there something where you get maybe a little bit of your money back? And he openly just said, he's like, it's gone. That's money. That's just gone. He's like, that's, that's opportunity cost of being in this business. Yeah. And that just floored me for a long time. And I then, bet. I think that's where a lot of my interests are coming from. I'm like, it's it's feast or famine, man. And you know, we see that in our oil prices. We see that in the in the market. Every ten to fifteen years, it's gonna correct itself. And it did that in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen and it's still semi doing it right now. There's ups and downs in it and but 
I'll tell you, man, I would be, you know, we have, we, we have a real estate company. We have our service company. We have refineries, gas plants. We have all that kind of fun stuff that kind of comes with the, with the, the downstream, midstream, and the upstream version of oil and gas. Mm-hmm. We have real estate. We have, we have many, many different uh, diverse assets, but nothing is as, frankly, I would say nothing's as sexy as oil and gas. Right. It's just, it's, there's something about it. I wish I could tell you. It's a, it, it can be a cruel mistress. But man, it's there's something about it that just it can get your blood flowing. It can also bring you down, man. It can also I've seen guys that have been I've seen guys at Nape that are, you know, chest out wearing their their, their cowboy boots and their camouflage suits that are that are walking around telling people that, hey, we're you know, we're we're making, you know, millions of dollars every day and we're doing great. And then there's other guys head down, just kind of lanyard kind of hanging, and they're just kind of like, Man, oil's been rough. This nape is kind of, you know, not that many people here yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, somebody, one of our engineers pointed out to me once, he's like, you know, the guy who's kind of strutting out with his chest out, he probably has probably not even oil and gas guy. He's like, yeah. the oil and gas guys, the guy's like, oh man, I missed this. I missed this formation or this log came in wet. And I just, I just, I, I, I could have got some gas here or whatever would have you, man. But it's, you know, there's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting industry where it's, uh, you know, a lot of it when I came in, I thought it was I thought it was surrounded by good old boys, right? I thought you had to be, you know, you had to talk a certain way, you had to dress a certain way, you had to do things a certain way. And, you know, kind of coming into 2019 now or in the middle of 2019, it's changed so much, man. It's and it's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy to see diversity in oil and gas. I'm no so kidding. happy to see younger guys who are trying to, you know, kind of break out break out of the mold of the, hey, you you don't have to wear a suit and tie every day. Which I generally do still, but in in general, like today I'm wearing a polo. It's Friday. I mean, we're we're casual. There was a lot of guys I knew that if you showed up on Friday in a polo shirt, they just wouldn't take you seriously, right? Because they're just like, oh well. And I remember asking a guy with that one time. I'm like, why would you? Why would that matter? What does my dress code have to do with that? And he said, listen. He said, if you don't take yourself seriously the way you look, mm-hmm. he said, how would I take you seriously? Yeah, no, that's and, exactly. And I'm, you know what? I'm a believer in that now. I didn't believe it for a long time. I was like, no, you can wear, a, I mean, I wouldn't show up, you know, at a corporate office in a wife beater, but uh, <laughs> there is some things, you know, I, I think that, you know, wearing a polo shirt is fine. There's, there's a lot of stuff that has been, the stigma is gone now and kind of seeing how people are kind of jumping out of the oil and gas space and, and seeing what they're doing. It's really, really cool. And we're really, we're really excited to kind of see that kind of happening. But as Atlas operating goes, we're very, very lucky to be in, in, in such a fantastic growth pattern right now in our in our acquisition space and and you know we're actually divesting some as well now just for the simple fact of you know very good problem to have we just have too many wells and you know it's we're we're not really focusing on our low hanging fruit anymore where we want to go after a few of the uh, the bigger packages and a few of the bigger things that are kind of going on and we're actually looking to extend our reach into Canada as well now um, okay yeah, which areas Frankly, Alberta. Okay. Alberta, some of the, the, the sands that are up there. We've noticed that the differentials are very, very, very favorable to US companies who have a US presence. But we also have a Canadian presence, right? We have a we have a very unique Canadian presence where we have real estate, we have we have a structure up there, we have, you know, we have relationships with banks. And through those relationships, we're seeing that, hey, there's there's deals that are worth you can buy them for, you know, 70 cents on the dollar because they're hard to operate. And I think that's something that really, you know, separates us is that our operational ability, whether it's being just lean and efficient and frankly doing everything in-house, whether it's drilling our own wells with our own drilling rigs, which we which we own or working over our own, our own wells, which 
We now own and about, I think, 13 workover rigs. Oh, wow. So I want to unpack a few topics. You've mentioned like a lot of neat stuff. So first and foremost, you talked a little bit about real estate, which I want to touch on after. But so Atlas Operating, you guys are an EMP. So describe Atlas Operating and then also describe, because you said recently you're, you, you guys are getting into the service sector, creating your own service company. So how, how does that tie into to where, you're, where you were and where you are now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Alice Operating is our company that my father started, you know, decades and decades and decades ago. And I started with the company, I think I'd say probably about 2011. And then, you know, even when I was in college, I remember taking, you know, I would take 18 hours or 21 hours of, of coursework just so I could graduate quicker because I was like, I just want to get, I just want to get into the industry. Yeah. And even while I was doing that, I was working, I would say pretty close to the 40 hours a week while doing my classes because, oh, wow. you know, I was blessed with having that, uh, you know, the, the book smarts, you know, if a teacher kind of explained something, if the notes were there, I could understand it and I could kind of get that done pretty quick. But I really wanted to really focus on work and understanding, hey, how do you read a log? How does, how does this work? How does the, how does this portion of a company work? How does, you know, a lease operating statement, you know, make sense? And, you know, you kind of started looking at that. By the time I was out of college, I could go through an LOS and I could probably rip apart our, our cost within, you know, 20 minutes. And we just started making changes. As soon as I came out in the industry, I came out as my, I, you know, I was hoping that I was going to come out and I was going to be, you know, my father's son. You know, it's my father's company. I'm going to, I'm going to have a great job at this company. My dad just, you know, data entry. Yeah. He's just like, learn this, man. He's like, I'm not, I don't know who you think you are, but you ain't coming in here. Just, just going to learn it all and kind of pick it all up. And, you know, you're just going to kind of run with my company that I've built over the past 40 years. Right. So, yeah, no kidding. So he kind of taught me a lot and I've learned from a lot of people you know, in our company, outside our company, just learning from so many different resources. And I felt like a sponge at that time. And frankly, I still am. I'm learning, I'm learning stuff every single day, you know, because I, I'm still, I think I'm semi-young, you know. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, certain people. Yes, my wife, she'll tell you that I'm old now. Yeah. Uh, You're an old soul in yeah, your body, right? Exactly, exactly. That's kind of what she tells me. Uh, you know, before I'd be, you know, I'd be a, a young whippersnapper ready to go all the time. I'm calling myself a young whippersnapper, man. That's how you know I'm old. It's the fact that I'm calling myself a young whippersnapper. So that's hilarious. Yeah, that's, so I'm learning stuff every single day and kind of what we're doing. And, you know, in 2014, obviously the best time in the oil and gas industry, my father made me vice president of the company. He said, all right, go ahead and, you know, start, you know, you, you proved yourself over the past couple of years. I think you have some, you have some potential. You're, you know, smarter than the average bear you know, that's, let's get after it. So then obviously what happened at that time was, and at that time, me and my brother-in-law, we were working together and he actually decided to go work for a different company, Americo Energy. So he worked with Americo Energy for a couple of years. I'll come full circle with that because we're working together again now. No kidding. uh, So yeah, so we're the dynamic duo. So we, I was at that time, I was kind of on my own. So I was, I was trying to figure things out, but at the same time, prices were tanking every single month. And, you know, we had some, we had some relationships out with some banks and, you know, we had some money out outstanding with some banks as well. So, you know, my dad, the always, the, the thing that he always impressed on all of us, he, he said that you always want to be in, in good standing with, with the banks, right? The, the financial institutions, they got to like you, right? And they got to know that if they, you know, they can trust you with their, it's essentially, it's their money, right? And you're just developing it. So the first thing we did was is that we went into 1-1-2015 debt-free. We went, we got rid of all of our debt. We spent all of 
all of 2014, just kind of getting rid of all that debt. And I'm acting like I'm, I, this was all my doing. A lot of it was my brother-in-law before he took that new position with America. He was the one who really drove that down because he's a, he's a, he was our a CFO and uh, he's mm. a, you know, a, a genius with the, with the numbers. So he, he saw the same thing. He saw the writing on the wall and he was like, it's time to, it's time to cut this down. So wow. I just kind of, I just kind of took his model and I just kind of finished it. So we went into one, one debt free. So, you know, we were debt free, but low on cash flow as well. So what we started doing is that, you know, as the, you know, we were still producing all of our wells, cash flow started, you know, getting, you know, surged back into the company as the wells were producing. And we were noticing a lot of our, some, some competitors, some friends, some people that we knew personally, we could see that they weren't going to survive the year. You know, that, that, that crash in oil prices, it hit people pretty hard. And so what we, what we started doing is we just started, we took that instead of going into a, you know, instead of turtling and going back into our shell, we said, Hey, let's take a contrarian approach and let's go buy, let's go buy as much as we can right now. Because mm-hmm. oil prices aren't going to be at 40 forever, right? They're right. not going to, and they're not going to be at 150 forever either, right? There, there should be a good medium there, but oil is going to be oil. I would say for the next hundred years, I know a lot of people think about alternative energy and all that fun stuff, which I think is great for the environment. We hope to see it as an oil and gas company. We, you know, we strongly believe that we have to take care of mother earth because you know, it's, it's the only earth we got. That's the Canadian coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of the, the, yeah. the BC tree hugger coming exactly. out. Exactly, right? it's it's in there, man. Don't 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 get it twisted. It's in there. I got that. I'll drink an you know an almond milk latte every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Just, just <laughs> nice. to let everybody know that hey, I'm I'm hit. Yeah, I'm a I'm a young whippersnapper still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm. A, it's That's, a, so That's funny, man. Yeah. So we just went in and we started developing more relationships, and yeah. then in 2015, you know that's kind of where I started noticing that relationships really, really matter. And we just started buying and we started buying, whether if it was, you know, a company that just was fatigued. A lot of companies were just fatigued. They're just like, we just don't want this asset anymore because it's not in our core area. Or, you know, frankly, we just want to, we just want to get out. We want to be done with oil and gas. We've, we've dealt with a lot of that. We've, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of success over this past couple of years. And, you know, we're really, really lucky to have that success. And, you know, in 2017, Hurricane Harvey hit. Mm. Hurricane Harvey hit. And my father and myself were affected by that. It flooded our home in Spring, Texas. We got about three feet of water in our house. Oh, um, shoot. I didn't know that, man. Yeah, man. It's, it was, I would tell you this, though, now, Justin, one of the biggest blessings that ever happened to, to our family and as well as our company. Because from there... You know, being, you know, I was, I'd been married for about, you know, two and a half, three years now. And I'm telling, you know, my wife, we're in town mostly every day. I'm, I'm at a lunch, a dinner, a networking event almost every evening I'm or every day. So I'm driving from spring over there and I'm spending a lot of time doing it. And our company is rapidly growing. And I don't want to say rapidly growing at that time. We're steadily growing at that time. So I, you know, I kind of make the decision that I'm going to move in town. So me and my wife, we rent out an apartment just to see if we like it, right? Mm -hmm. I should have known immediately that we were going to love it. So we rented out an apartment and then shortly thereafter, you know, I, you know, I can kind of convince my dad that, hey, this side of town is where you want to be. So he was, he was in the process of rebuilding his house and he was like, okay, you know what? He started looking over here. And he bought himself a, you know, a beautiful, beautiful home over here. And he was just like, this is fantastic. And I bought myself a home very close to the office. And we bought ourselves a very small boutique office, which is located at 3501 Allen Parkway. 
and it was it was an old law office. I think Charles Vitan, he was the the ex partner there, the managing partner there, mm. and he was going to be moving to or moving his firm into a few different areas. You know, I think he wanted to go west coast to you know the Los Angeles type area as well, and he wanted to develop his office a little bit more. So he was like, "This is a perfect fit," and we we really liked the office. But we moved into there about I would say middle of 2018. And middle of 2018, everything's, you know, running and gunning. We're moving, you know, doing great oil and gas deals. And, you know, we're, I would say I almost was in a, I was in a slump because I realized that we were just doing so well, right? I didn't really have any problems. And I was just like, I'm creating problems for myself. Mm. So what I did was I just kept going after more and more deals. And instead of going after from a quantity perspective, we started looking at quality. And we started looking at the deals and the quality and whatnot, and and we found even better deals then. And spending a little bit of time there with our team, which we have a fantastic team of, of some some great engineers and some great geologists, and we have great staff, you know, wherever we are, and uh, we're lucky to have them. Just very very intelligent people that understand the intricacies of the oil and gas field, whether it's just I mean just basic bookkeeping or if it's if it's you know going through a wellbore diagram and figuring out our, our scouting the next area that we want to drill in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're lucky to kind of have that. So then end of last year kind of happens. And I talked to my brother-in-law again. And, you know, if you meet my, if you meet my brother-in-law, you meet me. I'm very, very, I'm outgoing. I'm, I'm talkative. I'm very, you know, good looking. Uh, <laughs> the Pakistan stud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just being facetious. I'm not that good looking. <laughs> but we're very, very different, right? I'm very, you know, we have different personalities. And he's very, very, he's very stoic. He's very, he he will, he'll look at something and he won't, he'll know the answer to everything that, that anybody's talking about, but he will not say a word. Hmm. He'll just listen. He's very, very, uh, it's interesting just watching him work, but he knows everything. I mean, whether he's working with a lawyer, which funny enough, he is, from Pakistan. He's a lawyer from Pakistan. He was a lawyer when he was, he was born in Pakistan. He was raised over there and he became a lawyer in Pakistan. So he was, so he has a law degree. He came to America, got an MBA and essentially, I mean, you might as well call him a CPA, but he's, uh, he's probably smarter than any CPA I know, but no kid, but he, he never officially got a CPA designation, but I mean, really, really intelligent guy. And I was just like, listen, I'm like, this company's growing. And I think that we're gonna we're not gonna be able to grow, right? And my father had the same conversation with them. We're not gonna be able to grow with me trying to, you know, juggle all the aspects of the of the back office as well at that time, which I in my mind I could have done anything, right? But then obviously, you know, I started realizing that if I if I really want this company to grow and we really wanna make this company big, that we're gonna I'm gonna need somebody that has the same drive that i do and frankly is smarter than me and uh and it's good that you recognize that absolutely man absolutely that's one thing that you you have no room for you you have no room for hubris in the oil and gas industry if you if you have that then i mean honestly you're gonna you're gonna lose from day one and that's something another thing that my dad taught me is that you know you gotta you gotta stay humble that's if you if you go out there and you just think that you guys are, you know, nobody can do it better than you or, you know, nothing can happen to your company. He's like, believe me, man, every company is vulnerable. If you don't, if you don't take care of it, if you don't nurture it, if you don't grow it the way it needs to grow. So we were very lucky to kind of have that conversation with me and my, me and my brother-in-law. And uh, I talked to him and I'm just like, listen, I mean, you're different. I'm different. You know, when we worked in the past, you know, my, my, at that time I was probably a little bit too aggressive. I was probably a little bit too, you know, I would, 
probably say things I probably shouldn't have. Just kind of, I just, you know, I flip a table over and somebody asked me, why'd you do that? I'm like, I just send a message, <laughs> let people know I'm, I'm crazy yeah. and stupid <laughs> stuff like that. Right. And as I aged, now I'm not a young whippersnapper anymore. <laughs> as I aged, I started realizing that that's just not, it's not a great, it's not a great model to have. Right. So I, me and him talked and he was, I, he was, he was in a position at that time where he was going to be, you know, moving as well. So he was like, I think this would, this could work. Hmm. And we've been working together ever since November of 2018. And since me and him have been working together, our success, I would say is frankly, it's skyrocketed. You know, we're very lucky to kind of, I'm very lucky to have him. I don't know if he would say the same thing about me, but uh, <laughs> I think he would. And my father, frankly, put us in a position to succeed. We were both, you know, we we respect each other. We understand each other's, frankly, needs. It's funny enough. It kind of sounds girly saying it right now. But he knows where my strengths are and I know where his strengths are. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a business marriage, right? That's Essentially. Exactly and I mean, again, it sounds silly, but ultimately, you're the people that you're in business with, you're married to. It's, Man, that's, and you have to make it work. And that's the truth. And and that's, you know what? We thought that for a while, that you just have to make it work. But now... We're actually thriving. We're actually, I mean, it's kind of like a ping pong table, right? It's its a back and forth. It's a rapport that I think only comes with understanding and respecting each other. Yeah. And as we've been doing that, we've actually, we've been growing a real estate company as well. And we've already owned real estate around Houston and other parts of the country. And as well as having some real estate in Vancouver, BC, we've been thinking about, well, we're outgrowing this office. In a matter of six months, Justin, we outgrew that office. Holy smokes. And what a great problem it was to have. So what we decided to do is as as having a real estate company is that we wanted to be landlord, right? We don't want to be a tenant in somebody else's building. We want to be landlord. And we're just like real estate, it's it's a great hedge, frankly, because real estate, it's an appreciating asset. And oil and gas, it's a depreciating asset. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every time that I, I pull a barrel of oil out of the ground, my reserves are going to go down. But- Every time a year passes in, in real estate and another building is popping up at Post Oak and San Felipe and all these guys are, you know, tearing stuff down, older buildings, older houses, and everything's kind of coming up, the value of that property goes up. So then, you know, it's the asset itself is worth quite a bit. So it's a great hedge on oil and gas to say that, let's say oil and gas goes down to $20 a barrel. A company like us, we work great in it because we know how to efficiently work everything. Hmm. And, you know, our staff is fantastic. I mean, they understand the ins and outs of everything that we're doing. They know how to run everything efficiently. You know, we're, we're very, very lucky to kind of have the staff that we have. And me and my brother-in-law over the past couple of months have, have closed some deals. Oh, well, we've inked some deals and we're going to be closing them hopefully in the next month or two. Nice. And, you know, I can't really talk about exactly where they are yet, but uh, hopefully you'll have me back on here one day and I'll be able to kind of tell you about them at that time. Yeah, well, uh, we're, we'll definitely do a round two because there's so much that I wanted to talk about and we're almost, I think, shoot, we're 40 minutes deep already. So. I'm sorry, man. I'm a talker and no, I can't no. help it. Well, that's why I had, that's why I had you on here, man. You're, you're, you're telling the world everything they need to know about Atlas operating in the in the legacy here. So, so yeah, we're, so you said you so talk about you. You mentioned obviously Atlas operating some of the real estate stuff, but you, you're also with Atlas operating. You have a service sector in it as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we have a service sector. It's, it's called Delta Petroleum actually, and we own our own vacuum trucks. We own our own rigs. Anything you can imagine, uh, we can kind of do it ourselves. Backhoes, you know, anything that the the, the the service side of a of an oil and gas company needs. What we started realizing is that hey, I could go, I could go, you know, hire, you know, basic energy services to do it for us. But at the same time, 
I feel like there was a lot of wasted space in that economically. We're getting a lot of upcharges, a lot of stuff like that, which mm-hmm. everybody's understanding. That's that's how they make their money as well, which is there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But we started realizing that if we owned our own equipment and we employed our own guys, we could probably save a lot of cost here. So we started doing that. And now we're actually, we we frankly, we only focus, we're 100% just focus on our, our wells because we have so many wells across so many different states here in America, North America. And I mean, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Wyoming, California, New Mexico, Colorado, and we're growing. We're even looking at new states right now as we're growing and no we're, we're thinking about, you know, how do we how do we keep on pushing out? So having that service side has been really helpful for us because we're able to service our own stuff. We have, you know, like I said, good staff. We have good equipment. You know, we, we're able to find, you know, we're able to find wherever, if there's a deal to be had on efficiency, on an acquisition anywhere, frankly, if there's, if there's something to be had, if there's money still left on the table, we'll find a way to find it. And we'll find a way to make it more efficient while still holding the truth of, uh, I guess, oil and gas. We're not going to hurt our wells either, right? right. We're not going to purposely go in there and just cut costs, you know, you know win, a, win a battle to lose the war. That's, just, that's not our motto either. So there are times where we do use outside rigs there's a, or outside services still. Because there's times where our wells need it and that, you know, there's either they're far away or there's just not an expertise on that. You know, there's we frankly, we use Baker Hughes quite a bit for coil tubing, something that we just really haven't got that niche into yet. And frankly, they just do a way better job than we would. And, you know, we've been kind of doing that. And as we've been growing, we hope to, you know, grow the oil and gas company as well through that, through acquisitions, through, I mean, the occasional divesture. We frankly don't like divesting a lot of our stuff. We like holding on to our assets, but we're actively growing our oil and gas companies right now. And we're, you know, non-core stuff for a lot of operators. We like looking at those and, you know, we're, we're excited to kind of keep looking at those. And, and that's something we're actively looking at right now. So, okay. you know, any of the listeners that are listening, if they have any, you know, PDP deals that they need some cash on, you know, where we'd be a great company to kind of kind of come in and maybe inject some cash flow into there maybe and we've done joint ventures as well we were joint ventured with some very major companies and when i say major of some of the the biggest companies in in the oil and gas space we joint venture with and we you know we they operate the wells sometimes we operate the wells i mean there's been stuff like that we've had a lot of success with a lot of those as well and nice. we're just that that continued growth pattern is something that we're really really excited about and, you know, we're excited to kind of see where the future takes us, not just with the oil and gas side, but with the service side as well. And I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys offer services for other operators as well, or is it strictly just for you guys? We're in the process of hopefully starting to offer services to other operators. But the thing is that we're an operator. I know what another operator is looking for yeah. when we bring a rig out there as well. And I don't think we've perfected that service yet. And sure. I don't want to go do that. I don't want to go. I mean... I understand that everybody's well, that's their baby, man. That's they, they care about that. Well, that's where that's what pays the bills. That's what they take care of on a daily basis. I don't want to, I don't want someone to entrust me to something like that. And then we're just not totally equipped to kind of handle it. So we definitely hope in the near future that we will be able to handle that. something like that. And we are actually helping out some, you know, offset operators that are currently in need as well. We are doing that, but we're just not advertising it as much right now. So we are, you know, we're in the process of kind of hopefully doing that one day. Gotcha. Cool. Well, there's a few other questions I have, but before we do that, I just want to take a quick break. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor to take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated, good or bad. 
Also, if you feel like you got a great story or an idea for a show or any questions or anyone that you'd like to see me have on the show, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always willing to chat on there. We're also excited about the OGGN Street team, and we're actually currently looking for more members to join the family. So our goal with that is to engage in our community through social media and provide value to all of you who help us do that. What's in it for you as a street team member? You'll get press passes to most of the oil field events and conferences that we have here in Houston and throughout the other oil field cities in the U.S. Even in Canada, we're looking on spreading our wings and heading up north as well. Free entry to our monthly happy hours, some swag, even the ability to promote your own content if you want. So we just ask for one hour of volunteer work per week and share two podcast episodes per month on your own social media channels. So also talk about, wanted to talk about our sponsor giveaway. Tindek is giving away a mini portable projector, perfect for home theater, boardroom, office, and pocket video. For a chance to win, click the link in the show notes and we'll announce the lucky winners as they come in. We've got some events on deck. So Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about that coming up? Hey, it's Julie here. And I have a few OGGN announcements before heading into the events on deck. Street team, we are still taking volunteers for our street team. We're only asking for an hour of your time per week in exchange for perks such as free entry to our happy hours, shirts, networking with other young professionals in our group. The group is within Facebook, but you do not have to have a Facebook to join. Just send me an email. The link will be in the show notes and I can get you started. Our happy hours. We are actually moving to quarterly happy hours rather than monthly. So our next Houston happy hour as well as Midland will be in August or September. Be on the lookout for that date. You'll get an invite if you're on the list. If not, you can sign up on the list below. And then we are launching another happy hour in Denver in August. So if you're interested in that one, the link is in the show notes as well to be notified. We don't have a date or details for that yet, but they're coming up. Okay, now on to the events on deck. We have Golf for Good on June 11th, 2019 in Houston, Texas. All proceeds go to help Redeemed Ministries with our long-term recovery program and safe house to help victims of human trafficking become survivors. So mark your calendars and be ready to golf for good with Redeemed and our organizers Global SEM Energy and Red M. For more information on how to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. Data-Driven Drilling and Production Conference is June 11th through 12th in Houston, Texas. This is where Silicon Valley meets oil and gas. Register at the link in our show notes below. The Energy and Data Conference is June 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. This forward-looking conference will include the latest in digital transformation trends as they relate to the energy sectors with topics such as machine learning and data management storage, oil and gas development and drilling production, and more. Link down below. Energy Exposition is June 26th through 27th in Gillette, Wyoming. The Energy Exposition is for those who would like to know more about procedures, technology, safety, environmental practices, and equipment used in the oil and gas industry. And again, the link is in our show notes. Argentina Oil and Gas and Energy Summit 2019 is on July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. This summit's actually the first and only official event for the Argentinian oil and gas and energy industries. 
It will present a unique platform for networking that will bring together existing and future operators in the oil and gas industry in Argentina and Latin America. Next up is the 2019 IPANM annual meeting that Mark, Jake, and Paige will actually be speaking at. This will be July 24 through 26 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is addressing operator needs in 2019. And next up is Desk and Derek Fort Worth second annual shoot for the future clay shoot. This clay shoot will be on July 26th in Decatur, Texas. And then last but not least, Summer Nape. This is going to be August 21st and 22nd to where the deals happen. Thanks, Julie. Appreciate it. I also want to mention the OKC Fin, Feather, and Fur, which is happening Friday, October 11th, 2019 in Oklahoma City. Uh, it's relatively new for the Oklahoma region, so show them some love and go onto the AED website or hit up Courtney Strang at, with Inwell for more details. Also, anyone out there looking to, or you're, if you're interested in playing some oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old-timer hockey. We do it, actually, we're, we were at every three weeks, and because it's getting so busy now, we're doing it every two weeks at Memorial City Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And one last note, if you're looking to get in shape for summer, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas, and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. So Yusuf, you know, you've obviously done well in your career. You're still young. You've got a lot of a long road ahead of you. What would you recommend? Or do you have any daily habits or routines that contribute to the success, whether it's your personal life or in your career, that really help you get dialed in, whether it's in the morning or at night or anything that you kind of do daily that, that you consider to get you dialed for the day? Yeah, absolutely. So I wake up pretty early. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. And I kind of just, I kind of wake myself up. And I feel like, because we have so many different things going on. We have the oil and gas. We have the real estate. We have other ventures that we want to eventually start doing. So there's a lot to kind of do. And there's a lot to essentially manage. So I kind of wake up and I kind of, frankly, I just clear my head for a little bit, right? I, I don't want to call it a meditation, but it's a bit of a, you know, a, just a head clear. Yeah. And then after that, you know, I started a, my fitness journey. So I'm uh, going to the gym now. That a boy. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm heading to the gym and then I'm in the office probably around 6.30, 6.30 a.m. Everybody's getting to the office around 7.30 to 8 a.m. So that time before they kind of show up. And by the way, I'm, I'm very heavily caffeinated in the morning. I'm, I'm having quite a bit of uh, black coffee. Yeah. You know, there's actually a really good coffee shop that's uh, really close to our office called Inversion Coffee. Okay. And Houstonians will, will, will know the coffee shop. I'm a huge coffee shop guy, so I'm going to definitely hit it up. It's, or we'll grab a coffee one yeah, morning Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's some of the best coffee. And I really like their iced coffee. So Nice. I, I like iced coffee because it just gets down faster. Like, <laughs> you can just caffeine, suck it down and gets the, to your system faster. Yeah, the yeah. caffeine just goes right into my blood. Yeah, it's hard to blast back a black coffee unless you want your mouth and throat scolding so yeah, yeah if exactly. you like the quick hit cold co- iced coffee is the best way. have you had the nitro brew any nitro brew so i had one at a coffee shop called uh man i can't i think black hole coffee okay i think black hole coffee has this nitro brew <sighs> that and stuff man, hits hard that man. stuff hits i took so before i watched the new avengers 
my niece, she was just like, you're going to fall asleep. I have a tendency to fall asleep in movies because by the any time I get to actually just kind of wind down or I'm just not going 100% because I'm usually going 100% all the time. Yeah. I just fall asleep. Yeah. I'll just fall asleep. I'll just be like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm just, I'm just going to fall asleep. You're either 100 miles an hour or zero miles an That's hour. That's exactly how I am. I have a an obsessive personality when it comes to stuff like that, which is another thing which I think has led me to a little bit of my success. So all day whatever i'm doing i'm obsessing over it right i don't just i don't think that uh and that's something that we kind of strive for at our company i don't want to say to a level that it's actually you know ocd or anything like that because not everybody's the same way not everybody's wired the same way and we realize that over the years or i've realized that over the years kind of working with different people some people work at a slower pace some people work better alone some people work better in groups mm-hmm. some people work better when when I tell them that, hey, you're you're better than this and you can work on this. And some people work better when you just when you tell them that, hey, you know what? You're a really smart person and I believe in you. Mm-hmm. People react differently to certain things. Yeah. I'm one of those people that reacts to the, you know, kind of the kick in the chest and just says that, hey, listen, either you get it done or you don't. And that's just the way I was kind of I think that's something that kind of has been pushed into me by my father, which a lot of people I know that don't like that. And but I love it. Uh, yeah. I I wouldn't want it any other way. I like going 100 miles per hour. And I like go 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 go. And so I'm working from you know 6:30 to you know whatever time. And I'm in and out of the office quite a bit because we're taking meetings. We're meeting with uh, we're meeting with new uh, you know potential acquisitions. We're at a lunch. I mean, there's been days where I've double booked lunches where I have a lunch and then I have another lunch right afterwards. Um, <laughs> double then, lunch. Day. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, it's it can be tough. It can be tiring. There's days where I'll get home at, at, at 6 p.m. and there's days I'll get home at, at midnight. It just really depends on if I got an event going on, if I'm meeting different people. But whatever it takes to get a deal done, you know, it's something that we're willing to do. And I just, it's that mentality that I have. So it's that go, 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 go life. And I'm very lucky that uh, my wife is very supportive of my, of my work lifestyle, which a lot of people I know would not be totally okay with it because yeah. there are, you know, there's times during the week where I don't even see her. Yeah, because I get home, I, I'm gone before she wakes up, and I'm I'm home before you know before she's asleep. So there's times where we really don't uh, you know get to interact during the week. So I'm lucky to have that as well at home that we have that balance where I kind of have that. But we always I always make sure to kind of realign myself. You know, I try to on the weekend try to you know hang out with my family a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. try to just realign myself wherever I can. But I would say my my biggest point of success to anybody, a young person, anybody who's really trying to break out, is that. You just can't stop. Right. It's just it's it's really, really tough. And I know a lot of people wouldn't agree. And I'm very lucky to be in the position that I am. But I'm telling you, man, if you just keep going, guy, girl, you know, whoever it is, if you just keep going and you're always available and all fun stuff, and that's probably a, cur- a blessing and a curse. I'm always connected to my phone. I mean, I get people will get emails from me at 3 a.m. sometimes yeah. uh, because I just can't sleep. I'm up earlier than usual or, you know, I, I just couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about something. I will literally dream about pump jacks, man. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 so when I say it's an obsession, it truly is an obsession. Yeah. Well, yeah. you kind of have to be obsessed if you want to be successful. I mean, obsessed with whether it's, you know, work, wealth, whatever it is that you're if you're married to what you're passionate about. And like you said, you go 100 miles an hour, and you just you just full steam ahead, and you, and you don't look back, and you just go go go. You'll knock down walls and barriers, and, and and doors will open, and and that's kind of one thing that I've learned. Like I'm a few years older than you, but for me, it's been like understanding now. 
because that's not sustainable. I mean, it is when you're younger, but when like you know, there's things that'll come up, whether it's kids or or family or this or that. There's there's gonna be things that that ultimately slow you down to where you have to understand, you have to pace. And you have to know when to put your foot on the gas and when it's okay to take your foot off the gas. So like you said, when you're younger, your foot has to be on the gas 24-7 because you you're, you you can withstand and with you can, that's a sustainable level of energy. But as you get older and, and talking to gentlemen in their 50s and, and even in their 60s that have, have gone through that, they realize there's a point where they have to like strategically go 100 miles an hour. Because if not, you if you burn out, you can't, you can't perform at that high level for 40 years straight. So there's, there's sometimes understanding when and when not to, but if you know you can at this time and then balls to the wall, get after it. Right. That's kind of the idea, man. I'm a lot of people don't agree with me on this one, but I'll sleep when I die. Yeah. And, and that's kind of my thing, but I, there's days where I, I, I never thought that I would understand what a, what burnout means or what being tired means. Right. And there's days where I just don't have enough coffee or, you know, something I'm just getting, you know, hammered with meeting after meeting after meeting where, you know, you just can't even, you can't even get to a lunch because you're, you're stuck in meeting after meeting after meeting. There's days like that where you kind of, you realize it that, hey, I probably can't do this forever, right? I'm not invincible. Uh, as much as I think I am, I'm not. And, <laughs> yeah. But I would like, I, I would say that the balance of the, of the home life is, uh, is, is very helpful in that, right? That's, that's kind of where that all kind of comes in. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky guy that uh, I'm able to kind of have that. So nice. I, I definitely, uh, I, I understand what you're saying, Justin, but I mean, don't count me out yet. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm still waking up at 430. Yeah. Hey, no, I, I hear you, man. I'm waking up, shoot. I wake up at 415 if I'm at the gym for five. So hey. I agree. You'll sleep when you die, and it's the ones who are willing to go the extra mile and get a few extra hours less sleep that ultimately get to the upper echelons of whatever it is they're trying to do. One last question. Is there anything uh, that, that the audience can hear or that you can tell the audience that not many people know about? So are there any little hidden secrets that you have that not many people know about? You know what, man? I've been thinking about that. What are my hidden secrets? And what, but the thing is, is that I'm a really, really open book. Yeah, you are. And After the first five minutes of meeting you, there were some things I found. I'm like, dude, okay, that's why we could be buddies. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have guessed it, but that's cool. Let's yeah, roll. I just, I'm, you know what? And I really don't have a great memory when it comes to uh, certain things. When it comes to work, I can remember almost everything. Yeah. But certain things, I just don't have a great memory. So I started realizing early on is that I'm not a good liar. So, you know, there would be times where I would just come up with these elaborate lies that made literally no sense. I mean, <laughs> I would be like, oh, Justin, I got late to this oh, because a TV fell on me. <laughs> and then tomorrow I'd be like, oh, man, it was crazy that I, I hit that deer on the way over there. And you'd be like, I thought a TV landed on you. I just get caught in my own life. So I was just like, you know what? There's just no point in this. I'm just going to be honest about everything. So yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm just, I'm really, really upfront and honest and if anybody ever had a question to who what i am or if they want to know anything about me if they wanted to know my darkest secret i'd tell them i mean yeah. i just don't there's nothing really out there that's that's too much of a secret with me and i think that's i think a lot of my i connect with a lot of people because of that is yeah. that i think they realize that there's not a very heavy you're not going to get too much bullshit with me right uh, yeah, you see what you see is what you get yeah, and, 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 and that comes down be. to trust people trust you because of that probably and i think you're right i think i've been able to kind of be more successful in business and in my personal life as well is because i'm just you're gonna get you're gonna get what you're gonna get right and yeah. there's days where i probably should lie a little bit more <laughs> but it just it, 
it's just not the way I'm wired. And I think that's something that was taught by my dad. And that's something that he kind of just, he, he pushed it out, out there to me. He said, listen, it's just, it's just not worth it, right? Be a man of integrity. And, uh, you know, people will respect you and probably like you a lot more too. Right. Well, those are great uh, closing last words. So if, if the audience wants to get to either to know more about you or learn more about you, we'll put the link in the show notes for your guys' company. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll put your LinkedIn Absolutely. plug in there. And you did want to plug uh, actually your, your old man's book. So why don't you briefly tell the audience yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, So, you know, ever since that, uh, I've been kind of working a little bit more. And uh, when I say working a little bit more, I've been taking a lot more of the more executive responsibility and alongside my brother-in-law now as well. My father started realizing that he didn't really have too much to do, right? He would ask a hundred questions of what we're doing. And then he started realizing, well, okay, well, these guys kind of know what they're doing. I, I can't just micromanage them. I can't do this. So he started thinking about his life. And my mom actually got diagnosed with, with Parkinson's. Oh, wow. I'm sorry and, to hear that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, he started realizing just kind of his own mortality and just in general. And he decided he wanted to write a book about his life story. And that book turned into something a lot bigger. It just you know, he got a lot, a lot of memories came out, a lot of stuff on how he started this company, how he came to this country, how, you know, somebody who literally, the book's title is From Dirt Roads to Black Gold. And if you read the book, you'll see it in there is that he literally, I mean, shoes were a, uh, I mean, they were a luxury. Hmm. They, that, that wasn't something, you know, in, in America, you just think everybody's got shoes, man, whether it's flip flops, boots, whatever, right? It doesn't matter. You got shoes. But over there, it's if you had shoes, oh, okay, you're rich. Wow. So that guy who went from that to where he is now, growing this company, you know, just the hardships of kind of understanding, coming to America, learning a new language, learning, learning how to pick up on little things like sarcasm. And just, you know, it's kind of a really, really motivational book. Just I and I've I've been lucky enough to read it and it's going to be published and it's going to be out for sale in the next uh, probably couple of weeks now. Okay. Sometime in June is what we're hoping for a, a published date. And you know while he was kind of doing this, he's always had a, philanthrop- a philanthropic side to him. And he started a foundation called the the YBC Foundation. It's called the Eunice and Busher Chaudhry Foundation. That's my father and my mother's name. Mm. And so what he decided to do is he said that all this money for the book, whoever buys, you know whatever we donate, it's all going to go to the foundation, right? Cool. That foundation has been, uh, has been very, very monumental for a lot of people, you know, single mothers, single parents, orphans, people, scholarships for kids who are, who are deserving of them. I mean, you know, the YBC foundation does quite a bit, but uh, he's pretty private about it. So a lot of people really don't know about it. Hmm. So, you know, that's one thing that with this book, he's actually trying to kind of get that back out there is that a lot of his stuff and he's, you know, they're, they're, making new projects and they have uh, new projects in the in the making as well and it's all privately funded by by him that's fantastic well whenever it's actually out and, and for sale let me know and i'll i'll make a mention of it in the upcoming episodes and put the link in the show notes absolutely that'd be awesome. amazon or whatever it is but yeah. uh, obviously the would love to support it man so again appreciate all the time and uh looking forward to a round two because i think there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline that you could probably talk about and uh you're looking forward to further success with you, buddy. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Justin. You're a gentleman and a scholar in no particular order. <laughs> right on. Well, look, everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to uh, learn more, visit oilandgasonshore.com. And always remember, when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. New 
Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil & Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com. Network.com.